0: Lumos. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Harry Podcast, the show where we analyze and discuss each chapter of the Harry Potter series from a literary perspective. I'm David.
1: And I'm Madeline. And today's episode is called Harry Podcast and the Invitation. Today we will be discussing what Dudley's diet represents, Harry's increase in power at Privet Drive, and Vernon's moral dilemma.
0: So just a quick synopsis of this relatively short chapter, Um, immediately after the end of the last chapter, Harry goes down for breakfast, and we learn that Dudley, mainly due to not being able to fit into the school uniforms anymore, is on a very strict diet for the summer that Petunia has insisted that everyone participate in, Um, and when Harry learned this, he wrote to all of his friends asking for help, and they sent him sweets and snacks and other delicious foods.
1: The doorbell rings, and after Vernon answers it, he pulls Harry into the other room to tell him that a letter, covered with an embarrassingly large amount of stamps, has arrived for him.
0: The letter is from Molly Weasley, asking permission for them to take Harry to the Quidditch World Cup final, which is going to be in England that year, and then keep him for the remainder of the summer until it's time for them to go back to Hogwarts.
1: Vernon is torn between wanting to get rid of Harry, wanting to make Harry miserable, and hating discussing anything to do with the wizarding
0: world. So they have a very short discussion where Harry eventually decides to talk back to Vernon and use his trump card that he is currently writing a letter to Sirius that he has not yet finished. Vernon, terrified and put into a very awkward position, agrees that Harry can go.
1: Harry goes back to his room and finds a tiny owl um, named Pig, which we remember is the owl that Sirius gave to Ron in the last book, um, has a letter from Ron and reiterates the invitation to the World Cup. Harry sends his acceptance back with, with Pig to Ron and gives Hedwig a letter for Sirius to let him know that he will be at the Weasleys for the rest of the summer.
0: Sort of like the last chapter, um, this is a relatively short chapter where not a lot of things actually happen. Um, but I still think it's it's going to be cool to talk about sort of the character dynamics and how things have changed. This is really one of only two chapters in this book where we see the Dursleys at all. Right. Um, so, you know, between Prisoner of Azkaban and Order of the Phoenix, I feel like a lot has changed, most of it off screen. But this is kind of a glimpse into, like, how those things are changing. So first, I think, like you know, the Dudley diet. Right. Um, I think it's very telling that Petunia extends the diet to everybody in the family because she's so concerned that Dudley won't do it unless, like, unless everybody has to do it, unless everybody has to be miserable. Yeah, they're all, like, in
1: solidarity. He can't be around any other normal food because then he'll be mad. He wants to eat it.
0: And especially um, since, you know, Petunia seems to think that if she makes Harry even more miserable than Dudley then he'll feel better about it
1: yeah there's part of the chapter where you know Harry sees that his grapefruit is much smaller than mm-hmm. Dudley's grapefruit so even though it's not good food that they want to be eating um, she's still making sure Dudley's getting more so he feels superior um, but I think it's interesting that this diet even started in the first place because they mentioned in the book that really this came down to at the end of his last school year, the nurse wrote to them and said, basically, Dudley is so big, he can't fit into any of the school uniform sizes anymore. And we're concerned also that he's this big, so you need to get him on a diet. So um, I think it's a good example of, you know, it's an exaggerated example, but it's also kind of an accurate example of parents who, you know, spoil their children to the point of, you know, completely ignoring who they actually are and what's going on with them. And
0: their problems. And
1: their problems. And I think especially for you know, kids that can be bullies or can, you know, be acting out and actually going through a lot Mm -hmm. um, at school, you know, they're sort of like, Dudley's perfect, he's our perfect little boy, especially Petunia, and he can do no wrong. And so it took this extreme thing of like, he can't fit into his clothes at school for them to take this diet, which is now, you know, turned into an even more extreme diet with everybody else.
0: Yeah. And, you know, at first, we're kind of concerned because of the way that Dudley is now so food obsessed. Um, you know, he his the whole dynamic at the at the kitchen table when we have this scene of them, you know, eating the grapefruit that's been cut into quarters is like Dudley is obsessed with like looking at what food each person has mm-hmm. and as soon as Vernon gets up from the table, he swipes the grapefruit quarter and eats it. Mm-hmm. Um when Harry gets up, like Dudley takes his quarter as well. So right. like, you know, he he's become kind of um obsessive about food. You would think at that point, that the diet would then fail. Right. But in fact, what we see is that next book, he has lost a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and he has gotten really into boxing. Mm-hmm. And so he basically becomes like a street tough. Uh, and and it, he doesn't lose any of his like bullying, you know, horrible ways. He's just turned them into something, I, I don't want to say productive, but um, something that will at least be aerobic exercise. Well, it's
1: a different obsession. I mean, I think, you know, there's, this is a big concern to, to discuss all of these you know, I don't think that this is what we want to get into right now, but there are a lot of issues with the way that, you know, Dudley is treated the way that food and diets are treated around um, teenagers, especially, and kids. And I think that, you know, in this case, yes, Dudley sort of uses um, uses that, like, addiction and then energy to get into more violence, which mm-hmm. is what ends up happening, um, which is um, also not healthy. And, you know, the p By being restricted so much, he is also likely to do things like we see um, in the following chapter, which is eat random candy on the floor because he's so obsessed with sugar. So, um, you know, this is not ideal, but I do think it's interesting. And if we're being kind to Pasunia here, I think it's also possible that she really is concerned for his health and probably has been for a long time. But this is finally kind of giving her the excuse to to try to get something going.
0: Um, but yeah, as we were saying, like the diet is so restrictive and Dudley is so food obsessed. Um, Harry, not being an incredibly fat person, but instead, you know, always being described as rather skinny, he possibly would not survive on this diet for an entire summer. So, you know, thankfully he has friends that he can fall back on um, who have sent him snacks and birthday cakes and, and mince pies and things like that, um, that he has hidden under his bedroom floor. Um, but if not for that, you know, there's a real chance that he would have started to starve to death uh, during the summer, which is not really pleasant to think about. The fact is that Petunia doesn't really care, Mm -hmm, you know, as long as Harry is miserable and Dudley is relatively happy. She's happy. Right. You know? So it's really, um, it's again, it goes back to the first uh, Harry Potter book, the opening where Harry is very much like Cinderella and he's just in this horrible situation with his like step parents and his cousin, Um, who mistreat him and and here again it's like that same situation but now he has these tools that he can use to deal with that situation Mm -hmm. he's not as powerless as he was when he was 11 you know now he has friends that can back him up he knows how to hide food um he knows how to send letters without being detected and uh when he needs to he can threaten his step-parents
1: yeah it's interesting because harry you know obviously as we know can't use magic you know outside of school so he's not actually using any magic this summer but he has access to all of these things without magic that come from the magical world he's kind of like the ultimate like teenager controlling like if if they weren't so abusive as parents and we didn't like love that he was doing this he would be like totally you know teenager controlling like i'm hiding food in my room i'm like not going to bed when you tell me i'm like you know, talking to my friends that you want me to talk to, like yeah. all these things that he's doing. He's using that kind of teenage um, teenage skills that he gets.
0: Right. But they are productive in this case because, yes. because of how dire his situation has become. So let's talk about the conversation that he has with Vernon. I think this really highlights, you know, how the power dynamics have changed. We've, we've mentioned that a couple of times now, but this is a really great example of that. So Vernon comes into this conversation and he's really upset. Because uh, the first thing that really happens in this scene is that a, a letter is delivered to their house and the mailman personally hands it to Vernon and comments and laughs about how many stamps are on the letter.
1: Right. And he is, you know, we can imagine this scene is like, okay, yeah, this is really weird. Um, But maybe this is just some very silly person who wanted to make a joke and send this letter to their friend, right? Like the mailman doesn't know. The mailman has no real like suspicious weird intentions he just wanted to kind of laugh at it because he just thought it was funny a funny thing in his job um but vernon because he first of all has no sense of humor but also is terrified of anything related to the wizarding world and related to harry sees that this is addressed to harry and is freaking out and now in his mind um this is like the neighbors are suspicious everyone's suspicious everyone knows something's wrong with us they're very paranoid in that way if
0: anyone notices something being abnormal that's his greatest fear yes and so the mailman commenting on the letter is for him like something infuriating not something funny like it would be to any normal person um so he's already in a bad mood then he reads the letter and um it mentions quidditch Mm -hmm. wizards ministry of magic And, you know, Hogwarts. So four things that Vernon absolutely hates to discuss and hates to hear about. So he starts off this conversation in a very bad mood. Yeah. He calls Harry in and he says, we just got this letter. Read it. Harry reads it. And he's like, oh, great. The Weasleys are inviting me to go to the Quidditch World Cup. That's amazing. How can I get that to happen for me? And then the wheels start turning. And he's like, okay, how can I get this situation into control so that I can... Push Vernon into letting me go, basically. Right. Um. And so what he does is he says, okay, I can't go. You're too upset mm-hmm. about Hogwarts, about the Quidditch World Cup, about all these things that I love. Um, Can I just go? I need to finish writing a letter to my godfather, you know, mm-hmm. the one who escaped wizard prison and is on the run and is, you murderer. know, a criminal yeah. and a murderer.
1: Yeah, so he's perfectly primed for this letter to arrive in this moment, like with all his sort of Mm -hmm. like arsenal of skills and things we've discussed and having this serious as a trump card. He's like, okay, I'll see. I'll sort of fight back and see if he'll let me go just because he wants to get rid of me because that's part of it, right? Vernon does want to get rid of him as fast as he can. Yeah. Um, And he's hesitating about that and he's thinking and then he's like, all right, I guess I can't go. He's too freaked out by the whole thing. I'm going to use my last card, Sirius, which is always going to win.
0: Yeah. And it's like the the two opposing forces for Vernon are like, I want Harry out of the house as much as possible. I love that he goes to school in another place and I don't have to deal with him for nine months out of the year. But I don't want him to be happy. Mm -hmm. I hate having Harry be happy. That goes against everything that I believe. So he can't have both. And now he needs to pick one. At first, it seems to be like not letting him go would make him more miserable than it would make me happy to have him leave. Mm -hmm. So he's leaning towards that. But then when Harry plays the Sirius card and he's like, I'm going to tell Sirius about you not letting me go to the World Mm -hmm. Cup. Then he's like, "Okay, that has pushed it to now it's better for me if he leaves.
1: Yeah. And I think what ultimately um, and we'll see this as well in the next chapter kind of overrides everything even beyond how he feels about Harry, is that he just does not want to be talking about this at all. And the whole, all, like you said, all those details in the letter, like he doesn't even understand them, doesn't know what they are. And Harry is trying to explain parts of it to him. or But say, that just
0: makes him more mad. Like he, he doesn't want he to understand. It.
1: And he, he gets more and more scared when that happens. So I think, you know, the serious thing pushed him over the edge. But I think an- another strategy would be if Harry just keeps talking about it, he probably would have caved in anyway because right. he just doesn't want to engage and have to analyze and think about the fact that this part of the world exists
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and i also thought it was funny that um when harry goes back upstairs gets the letter from ron who's basically like yo we just sent a letter to the muggles asking them if you can come but honestly we're gonna come get you anyway so just be ready
0: yeah
1: um i thought that was funny because you know it's sort of like well this whole conversation you know It was the easier way to do it, but it was they were always going to leave, and it's kind of reminiscent of the flying car of, Uh you know, him coming to go get Harry. Is the whole idea of like, all right, the Dursleys really have no power here, and of course that will only get worse in the next chapter, but they still try to maintain control over the whole situation. When it's all about
0: it's all about perception of control, and like. The illusion that, that they have control over the situation. Like, Vernon pretends to himself that he's made the decision to allow Harry to go, when in reality, Harry knew as soon as he brought up Sirius that he won. It's even, like, clear in the narration, like, Harry doesn't know the inner workings of Vernon's mind, but he knows the choices that he just gave Vernon, and he knows the inevitable outcome of that choice. So right. it's like, he really understands the way his uncle thinks, and he's basically like, he's like, yeah, I know what he's thinking about. He's like, either I could Prevent Harry from going, in which case he'll write to Sirius and he'll know that -hmm. Harry's being mistreated. I can prevent him from writing the letter, in which case he'll just think Harry's being mistreated. Either way, um, really bad situation for me because then a wanted murderer is going to be coming after me and my family, potentially. Um, He doesn't really understand Sirius, but that, again, is like part of the problem. Um, And none of it matters anyway because regardless of what he answers, the Weasleys are going to come and get Harry the next day. Um so it yeah, it really is all about perceived control and how Vernon is still kind of holding on to this idea that Harry is still a helpless eleven year old who doesn't have like wizard powers or powerful friends. Mm-hmm. Um which now the powerful friends are more important than the powers themselves, which I think is great. Um, you know, Harry's had to rely on himself for the for the vast majority of the first three books. And here, we, you know, in the third chapter, we're already seeing him relying a great deal upon his friends.
1: Yeah, and he's really asking for – he's asking for help. He's asking them to send him things. We hear that everyone sent him birthday cakes and cards, and we yeah. see those. So, you know, he's really he's, – he's also not kind of like being a martyr here. He's taking all he can get. He's like, yep. it sucks to be at the Dursleys. Everyone knows that. Everyone, you know, be nice to me. And, and
0: pitch in and help. You <laughs> yeah. Know? And and he's not just doing the self-reliance thing. He does a little bit. You know, he still is very self-reliant in this scene. He's like, I'm just relying on my own wit and understanding of how Vernon operates to get what I want. But um, it's relying on the threat from other people and information from other people and, you know... The food that he's been eating from mm-hmm. other people um, that have kept him going, you know, all this stuff that has been help, um, I think is really important as a character. He's letting himself, you know, be helped by others, and that's really important.
1: Thank you all for listening to Harry Podcast and the Invitation. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion of this chapter.
0: If you have thoughts or questions about anything we've discussed today, especially the discussion between Harry and Vernon and the power dynamics of their relationship, please email us at contact at the dot com.
1: You can find out more about the show and listen to any of our episodes at theharrypodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for next time when we travel through chapter four back to the Borough. I'm Madeline.
0: And I'm David. And we'll see you next time on the Harry Podcast.
1: Knox.